Welcome to Healthcare Upside Down with your host, Dr. Nick Vanterhaven, and brought to you by ECG Management Consultants. You can learn more about the show on the program's page at healthcarenowradio.com or on our blog at ecgmc.com hud. The U.S. spends more on healthcare per capita than any other country on the planet. So why don't we have superior outcomes? Why haven't the principles of capitalism prevailed? And why do American consumers have so much trouble accessing and paying for healthcare? Each week, Healthcare Upside Down will dive into these and other issues with ECG principal, Dr. Nick, and guest panelists as they discuss the upsides and downsides of healthcare in the U.S. and how to make the system work for everyone. And we end with your better pill to swallow, the conclusion to today's episode with insights on challenges and changes that improve healthcare. Now here's your host, Dr. Nick. On the one hand, growing up around the world, as I did, had its benefits. I've lived on many of the continents, experienced many different cultures, and had the opportunity to see many things around the world. I have met so many different people that we share this blue planet with, who in my experience have very similar ideals and desires out of life, but are different in so many incredible and intriguing ways to create an amazing smorgasbord of diversity. But this life did have its own set of challenges that included living away from any family, moving frequently, and even being away from home at boarding school for extended periods of time from a very young age in another country and continent. I was born on a different continent to parents who were both from different countries and cultures. Those different perspectives and cultures contributed to mine, as did the multiple countries I lived in. You might listen to my voice and think the United Kingdom or England, but spend some time with me and my other influences emerge, oftentimes much to the embarrassment of my children, in the full force of accents and behaviour. This makes me a third culture kid, sometimes also known as a global nomad or a cultural hybrid or even a cultural chameleon. Thanks to multiple inputs, I have an expanded worldview oftentimes adapting to local circumstances and individuals faster, offering a rapid capacity to function effectively across national, ethnic, and organizational cultures. So when I read the recent report in the Journal of Medical Internet Research, assessing the clinical robustness of digital health startups that produced a clinical robustness score for over 200 digital health companies, they assessed, I was not surprised by the results that showed a low level of performance in these companies. What is going on with innovation and lack of performance in the digital health space? Join me on Healthcare Upside Down as I talk with Dr. Julian Pham. He's a nephrologist and a founder managing partner at Third Culture Capital, or 3CC. Hi, Julian. Welcome to the show. Uh, Hi, Nick. Thanks for having me. So a recent published report talked about digital health, digital health innovation, um, tried to come up with a single index, and pretty much the index was uh, not very positive towards uh, the innovation that's coming out uh, in terms of technology. And a large part of that is the lack of clinical involvement. What do you think is going on in this space? Well, I'm not surprised. Um, I think that when you look about the actors and important stakeholders and how um, innovation happens, uh, I think we've got to involve uh, the, the the groups and the folks who 
um, are sometimes on the driver's seat. And that means uh, clinicians and not just physicians, but uh, nurses, physical therapists, et cetera, who really understand the pain point. And sometimes even more importantly, uh, we need to engage with uh, who I believe is probably the, uh, the least engaged um, stakeholder, which is the patient. And so sometimes when innovation is pushed by uh, just the, the, the business stakeholder, uh, that, that doesn't surprise me that uh, these uh, uh, entities or these uh, products or services don't fare as well because they probably don't get adopted as well uh, and, and don't understand the culture of care delivery in the way that a company that is founded or um, uh, you know, advised by clinicians uh, might be able to support. So I, I've seen a number of innovations, you know, coming out of medicine. In fact, uh, in my local university, University of Maryland, there's, uh, um, you know, an image of a stent that I think was innovated through a cardiologist, you know, thinking about these things. I've seen it from nurses thinking about some of the challenges. But one of the things that I hear repeatedly as I talk to business folks is, well, that's great. They've got a great idea, but, you know, they don't have the background. They're not capable of innovating because they don't understand how to launch and create a company. Do you think that's true? Um, perhaps it is, but that's not the, the, the full story. Uh, I've seen a lot of uh, uh, businesses launched by business people who have failed. Right. So so uh, at the end of the day, I think it's important to engage everyone. Uh, it's important to engage the, the individuals who um, are, uh, you know, in the front lines and have been so uh, frustrated for years about inefficiencies or uh, perhaps solutions that they dream of that could be better, but they may not have the time or the expertise to turn that into a a commercial product or a viable product, and uh, and it, the way innovation is most successful, in my opinion, is to work in teams, right? To have clinicians who may advise and may sometimes lead and found companies, but also having engineers who help design and uh, and provide certain solutions that um, are a lot more efficient. Uh, and and have business people who can figure out the path to making this business sustainable, and so it's uh, it's not so much a, a black and white uh, approach. It, it really should be a team approach where everybody works together to improve outcomes for patients at the end of the day, right? Yeah, no, I I, I think that's exactly right. And what what I notice. Um, as part of that is that you need this nurturing environment. I think there's a, a potential for ideas from all places and rightly so you highlighted one that hasn't always had the focus. I think, you know, there's, there's increasing focus on patients, but, you know, innovation from patients hasn't always come through. It's, you know, met with a certain degree of resistance. What could they possibly know is what I repeatedly hear. And of course, in many instances, they know an awful lot more about the disease and the challenges because they're living and breathing that. So that being the case, how do you go about creating an infrastructure and finding those opportunities so that you can map out, um, you know, both the winners, but also map out the pathway to success? Yeah, I think it's a, it, it's a complex process, obviously, as an investor. But the way we 
looked at in, we look at innovation and screen innovation is through you know, what's called the quadruple aim, right? And you're probably very familiar with that. And for us, it's important to look at healthcare innovation that potentially can improve outcomes for patients, that can reduce the cost of care at the systems level, and uh, reshape the experience of care, not just for patients, but also for providers. And so when you find solutions or products that can address two, three, or hopefully all four of those quadrants, these are the solutions that uh, will truly have uh, an impact. So uh, focusing on those areas, uh, you know, one of the challenges that we see repeatedly is the um, the addition of technology has tended to create gaps that have widened in some cases from an equity, equity standpoint. And I think we, we constantly sort of try and innovate and produce solutions, but in some cases, those solutions broaden the gaps. Do you think we're going to find ways and pathways to narrow this and start to create more equitable access to healthcare worldwide? Uh, yes, I think this is uh, such an important point that you're bringing up, and this is very much central to uh, our thesis at uh, at 3CC. Is you know how do we optimize care delivery to uh, go towards a more equitable global society, right? And we we talk about um, health inequities, and it's easy to see them when you're comparing, you know, you know one country to another, and you know, as, as many of us know, uh, we would think that the U.S. is way up there in terms of uh, 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 health outcomes, but but no, it is not, right? Uh, and But then even if we look here locally in the U.S., there's just so, so many gaps uh, in equity. Um, we recently invested in a couple uh, companies that address uh, maternal and infant health inequities, especially for vulnerable populations and underserved populations, and specifically African American women and mothers who have, you know, really poor outcomes. And uh, and those outcomes are, I mean, if you, you know, if you want to believe it, you know, it's not due to genetics. And maybe there's a component of genetics, but it's really because of structural. Um, uh, inequities that exist in our health system. And uh, for us uh, at our fund, the way we want to approach that is by uh, backing founders who don't fit the mold, right? Sometimes those founders are the ones who, who, who come from those communities and are very passionate about, uh, you know, creating, uh, you know, better solutions or more culturally sensitive solutions. And so, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, improving diversity uh, within uh, you know the venture capital ecosystem, the but also uh, amongst entrepreneurs and backing founders who are women, are people of color, and are maybe immigrant founders. Uh, over time, we will have um, you know a, uh, a enough uh, of a, a, a talent pool that will eventually solve. For some of these problems, and and we want to be champions of that. I think it takes uh, uh, many funds and, and many individuals who can be allies to to this, and and not just people from those communities, but everyone uh, coming in together to be allies to help uh, you know level the playing field essentially. 
Yeah, and one of the things that I draw out from that as you're describing it, um, you know, and I'm a third culture kid. Um, I, I've what I've come to realize over time is that the contribution that that has given me allows me a perspective that I think is, I, I, I don't want to say unique, but it's certainly quite different to somebody that grows up in a, a single place, um, you know, has limited exposure to other cultures um, and experiences. And I think that sort of helps drive openness, perhaps, to uh, ideas. Do you find that's part of what you seek and what's successful in the companies and the leaders that you identify um, that, that is allowing them to create those solutions that are really bringing about change? No, absolutely, right? You, you, you will come across firms uh, that are uh, founded and, and, and built by former engineers who are very product oriented. They understand product, they know product, they'll, they'll, they'll find other people who, who do be, you know, uh, incredible and in the future, uh, you know, uh, transformative technologies out there. And you have folks who come from, uh, you know, health services who understand, uh, you know, the, the politics of that and how do you scale uh, you know, the, these types of solutions, uh, we approach it from a human capital and a cultural capital standpoint. You know, as a third culture uh, kid myself, you know, I've, I've um, understood uh, that it was it is so important to build a community of people who, uh, you know, have a, a, a global uh, worldview and, and through the lived experiences that we all have, our abilities to connect the dots the unusual networks that we've built um, over the years because we've lived in different countries, of, we've worked uh, in cross-disciplinary environments, you know, in technology, in business, in medicine. I think as we connect these people and these ideas, this is how, these, these ideas, this is how we're going to find uh, solutions uh, and, and support each other. So, uh, you know, the, the, the fund, Third Culture Capital, was really built on that basis that uh, third culture individuals have a unique ability to adapt to any situation, uh, tend to be very resilient, uh, and have a, a unique worldview. And so as you apply these uh, skill sets as an entrepreneur, um, you, you could really you know, solve uh, many problems in, in healthcare and healthcare delivery. Yeah, so I, I think some tremendous sort of opportunities. And, you know, interestingly, in the melting pot of the United States, and I, I can't talk as expertly about other countries, but I feel that many of those potentially have that melting pot. But we certainly do, and that contributes to this. As you've looked and identified, you've found companies, you're backing companies, what are the elements that bring out success? What do you think allows them to drive out and, and go from, you know, good ideas? I think there's plenty of those. Well, maybe not plenty, but there's certainly some um, to the point of execution and really delivering value and moving the needle in healthcare. Yeah, I think most people who are in the venture space would tell you that the team is everything, right? Uh, team and execution. And it's, it's, uh, it's absolutely true. But you know, as you uh, dig a little bit deeper, for us, we really want to find founders who are um, ambitious and mission-driven. Uh, the ones who, um, you know, because of their you know, third culture upbringing, for example, kind of have a certain kind of empathy towards you know creating 
global impact uh, and improving outcomes for uh, for people across the globe. Um, so you know that that's important for us. Um, we um, also like to identify companies that um, uh, engage with the clinical community. Uh, and, and if it's, for example, um, an engineer, uh, you know, who is, uh, you know, wise enough to say, hey, I don't have all the answers. I'm really good at what I'm doing in engineering. But, you know, let me you know. I need to surround myself with people who can nudge me and guide me in the right direction. And maybe that means a very seasoned business leader who kind of understands kind of the, the, uh, the drivers of the, the, at the macro level, but also surround yourself with a clinical advisory board who can help nudge you and can connect you with key opinion leaders and et cetera, et cetera. For us, it's really uh, seeing leaders uh, with that kind of humility uh, who like to work uh, together to, to push innovation in, in the best way possible. Yeah, so I, I, I mean, there's some key elements, and I, I, I think most would agree. Team, I, you know, it often appears bubbles to the top. It's, it's the sort of cream of success, um, but there's much more below that um, that contributes. And you know, one of the things that I, I pick up on a lot is humility, which you know, many instances is you don't always find let's be clear and and there's a little bit of conflict for entrepreneurs because humility sometimes yeah. works against them right i mean this is not something you can't be you can't have humility and walk into a a, a vc meeting and say well i just I'm, you know I, I i don't know how do you balance that yeah and i think this is you know, this is funny you bring this up and it's you know i have so many anecdotes about uh, incredible um well-intentioned entrepreneurs who may uh, have lived and grown up in a culture that is not as cowboyish as the American way of doing things. And when they go and, and I've heard these stories from peers of mine who've been VCs who have been so frustrated because, you know, some of these entrepreneurs from those countries would go and try to raise like 500,000 euros or a million euros, whereas the same entrepreneur in the U.S. would go will go for you know five ten million euros and and there is a there's a middle ground right and and this is kind of where uh you know working with vcs and angel investors and, and entrepreneurs to try to strike that that right balance of how much capital is needed etc cetera, etc cetera. but i think culturally speaking it's important to um to absolutely have a dream and vision uh, but also to be uh, reasonable about what it is that you want to do and, and not be caught in the hype of um, living the life of an entrepreneur. I think a lot of people, especially first-time entrepreneurs, kind of have this assumption of what it's like, thinking that, oh, you're, you know, you're jet-setting across the world and, you know, you know, et cetera. But it's really not like that. Uh, you, you're oftentimes very lonely, uh, you know, working, you know, in uh, with financial constraints and resource constraints to build something. And it takes a while to, 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 uh, to execute and scale to, to where you are. So I, I think there's definitely some... Uh, some cultural differences uh, and, and some cultural nuances that you need to understand uh, about uh, the culture of entrepreneurship, the culture of clinical care, uh, you know, and et cetera, et cetera. And being able to navigate those languages uh, and, and, uh, and those worlds is, is really what, to me, makes a, a clinician entrepreneur, for example, a, a wonderful asset because they are 
uh, just inherently. That's kind of the, the the fine line that they walk. They understand why they're doing things because uh, you know in their in their heart they want to help patients and they want to do something good and and they have this dream. But also they live with the reality of being a business person and knowing that hey you know it's not always idealistic and you gotta raise and et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think culture for us is central to how uh, we think about innovation. Yeah, it, it's interesting you bring up the, the sort of the perception of uh, what it's like to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, I, I always sort of point back at Hollywood as a broad brush and, you know, I don't mean to be accusatory, but they certainly paint a picture that, you know, might be slightly less and anyone that's been an entrepreneur at any point in time, I think, knows, you know, the reality is wildly different. And, you know, I've seen the same with technology as well. There's sort of a presentation of technology that sort of pushes it beyond the boundaries of where it actually is. Um, as you tease out those elements, um, you know, clearly the success is is balanced in there. How do you go about finding that balance? Is 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 there a trick to this? Do you think what's the key to that? Yeah, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you number one, I think you um, have to be measured about your expectations, and then number two, you need to surround yourself with people who are much smarter than you and have certain insights into that specific sector or area or technology and whatnot. Uh, let me address kind of the first point because the second point I feel is a little bit obvious. But the first point is, I think we're living in a world where um, there's just a lot of hype all the time. You know, as we have so much technology, we're always constantly thinking and the media is, is, is pushing this on us saying that, oh, you know what, we are at the doorstep of the next paradigm shift in whatever it is, quantum computing for medicine, Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And, and as you are, you're probably familiar, Nick, with you know this uh, the 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 um, the Gartner hype cycle, right? Where in the beginning there's some kind of breakthrough innovation that you know whether it's in science or technology, and people are like, oh, oh this is this is great. You know, ten years ago it was maybe AI and, and etc. And 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 now we're seeing all these new technologies and things. Okay, oh, we got we we've got to apply this to healthcare, and I think if we do this, it's going to generalize and be so. Uh, you know, be transformative, but then you you reach that peak of expectations and 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 are not seeing anything. And you know, right right after that is this the 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 trough. Uh, you know, if you follow the Gardner hype cycle, there's this trough where it's like, oh wow, like everything that we expected is actually not uh, uh, you know turning out to be correct. And you know, these companies that have emerged have not are not generating revenue, et cetera, et cetera. But eventually. As you persist and go past that, and some companies will fail, uh, you get to these these uh, understanding these use cases uh, that are actually very practical and that actually can run into businesses. This is where I look, right? Uh, and this is where I think that it's important to have um, clinicians involved in your um, in your team because they will help bring some of these use cases and see, you know what, like. I just don't see how this will ever be adopted by my peers. Like I wouldn't want to use it myself. This is, you know, maybe this technology is designed to uh, improve the workflow for patients, but it's actually for providers, but it's actually adding 10 more minutes because you've got to jump from app to app and iPad to iPad, et cetera. So I think it's important to understand hype versus reality and to be able to navigate that as you are building a company and, and figuring out what's the right time to invest in something. Julian, thanks for joining me today. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Nick, for inviting me.
The traditional approach to creating a successful company and solution is built on the quadruple aim. But as you heard, it's important to place additional emphasis on the human capital and building a community and team that has a global worldview. Add to this tempered expectations that are set in reality and not the hype or excitement. Your better pill to swallow is to understand the hype over reality by engaging with your clinicians at the earliest opportunity in the process. Follow the dream and vision, but grounded in reality and tempered with cultural and technical intelligence from a diverse team who will help you successfully navigate the culture of clinical care. Thanks for joining me, your host, Dr. Nick, on this week's edition of Healthcare Upside Down. Until next week, keep solving the business of healthcare as if your life depended on it, as one day soon, it will. That's all the time we have for today. You can find all of our episodes on your favorite listening platform by searching for Healthcare Now Radio. Also, check out our blog at ecgmc.com hud for summaries and commentary from each episode. Follow our show's social hashtag, HCUpsideDown. And join us each week as we work to solve the business of healthcare for everyone.